Thank you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hey there, pharmacy community, and more specifically, the RX Chat pharmacy industry community and the uh, ongoing weekly chat that we have based on the business of pharmacy. We are so excited to be back, and as we've said before, I want to extend a, a, a sincere thank you to uh, the participants of the RX Chat and our co-founders, RX Wiki, and the team at RX Wiki. Do uh, we're doing this every week uh, to get more insight from pharmacy professionals about the business of pharmacy. And just want to make a side note. Uh, this is uh, March 2014, and it was brought to my attention from our friends over at RMS, Mr. Mike Gross, that it is our uh, fifth year anniversary, and I actually even overlooked that. So it's the fifth year anniversary of the Pharmacy Podcast, and we're so excited about our 44,000-plus listeners and uh, the participation and today's RX Chat theme is right up our alley and something that um, is hits close to home and that is marketing your pharmacy business and we had to have Mr. Scott Maitland come aboard today uh, to help us with today's RX Chat Pharmacy Podcast. How are you doing today, Scott? Oh, I'm doing great, Todd. Thanks so much for having me on the call and happy fifth anniversary. Thank you. So, Scott, you are a former owner of a pharmacy, an independent pharmacy down in Austin, Texas. It was a Live Oak pharmacy and um, known as the hippest drugstore in, in North America by Drugstore uh, Can- Canadian Magazine. And uh, you began to professionally speak about uh, pharmacy marketing in 2010, and you've invested in some uh, other businesses that have really assisted pharmacy leverage um, marketing and marketing strategy. Uh, you were invited by Sydney, uh, by a Sydney, Australia organization to speak to the members of professional compounding chemists of Australia. And then you invented something re- recently called Pestle Packing Sales, which is really interesting. It's helping uh, pharmacy owners to understand the sales process and how to actually begin to sell pharmacy uh, marketing service or pharmacy services. So you've done a lot in the industry, um, specifically to marketing. So we're excited to have you today um, on the show regarding pharmacy marketing. So I'm going to jump right in, and then we're going to start talking about some of the feedback we've received. And um, the first question, uh, Scott, is how are you currently promoting and marketing your pharmacy? And um, basically, this is a just brilliant advice I'm sure we can get from you on doing exactly that. Well, okay, so first off, you know, let me just start off by saying I don't actually own a pharmacy anymore, but I think that... For those of you that are in the in the space right now, I see a lot of pharmacies using social media, and I, I think that's fantastic. It's a great way. Actually, let me backtrack a second. What I'm most excited about for independent pharmacy owners is for the first time since probably the 1950s, the level field, the level, the playing field is leveled from a, a marketing standpoint. Um, things like social media actually are more powerful for an independent pharmacy than they are for a chain, and that is because you actually get to speak to your specific community, um, and whereas the chains have one account that's supposed to address what's going on in all 50 states. Well, what is important to someone in Austin, Texas, is going to be very different to someone in, say, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, and so I think social media is great. 
I recently attended a conference here in Austin uh, called South by Southwest, and I had an opportunity to hear Gary Vanderchuk speak. If you don't know him, I uh, highly recommend checking him out. His um, Twitter handle is Gary V G A R Y V E E. He uh, actually just came out with a brand new book called Jab 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 Right Hook, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting that he said that really just resonated with me is that we usually think of content as king. Like, let's just generate awesome content and push it out. But really, that's what I took away from this experience South by was that context is king. Uh, that's the most important thing because the audience that's on Instagram is different from the audience on Facebook. And I think we can all agree that the audience on Twitter is very different from uh, the other channels as well. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. I like that. Um, you know, customization um, is really um, key in almost anything. You, you think of um, the way that we shop today and, you know, for example, a, a vehicle. Uh, you get online, you do some research, but it always comes down to that hand-in-hand and -hand person and, and the way that you're treated and the way that you're um, you're kind of embraced by uh, that service provider. And if there's some customization in place, uh, like you said, something different, differently um, positioned from an Austin environment versus a Pittsburgh environment, that's definitely the same in, in pharmacy. And, uh, you know, the national chains, um, you know, they, they have to um, uh, move forward with a marketing plan that comes from their corporate headquarters, and then, of course, they push it down through as you had mentioned, the 50 states. So independent pharmacies, you guys have a huge advantage to knowing your community, knowing your customers, knowing your marketplace, and then moving forward with uh, with a strategy that fits. Um, which really brings us to question two, Scott, and that is what services do you offer and do all of your patients know about every one? So, boy, we have a, a great service. You're, you're getting into nutraceuticals. You're a diabetes educator, um, you're, you have vaccines that are being offered. Uh, question two, Scott, what services do you offer and do all of your uh, patients know about everyone? Okay, so I think this is a really interesting question because I believe that the role of the independent pharmacy is going to become even more specific than it has before. Uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you, you could get a pretty much identical experience at an independent pharmacy as you could at a chain pharmacy. Um, they had a photo processing booth, um, sold cigarettes, uh, soda pop, you get your prescription filled, greeting card section, magazine section, you know, all the same things. Um, and in some areas, especially in, in areas that are uh, not served by the chains, you see independent pharmacies kind of being um, more of a, a hodgepodge of different services because that's what that community needs. But I think in, in areas where there is a greater abundance of, of offerings, you're going to see the savvy pharmacy owner getting super specific about what it is that they offer. And I really think this is a, a great thing to happen. It can be a little scary, but I think it's a great thing because I, I like to use this analogy that you can be like the sun and you can give everyone a base tan or you can be like a laser and blow stuff up. So when it comes to services that you offer, the more you offer, the harder it is for your patients to know about everything that you do. And so I would look at what is it that – there is no magic pill. I mean, wouldn't it be great if there was a magic pill for marketing? You just swallow it and you became you got an instant MBA and you knew what was going on. But there is an equation that I think pharmacy owners can use, which is identifying the things that they really enjoy 
doing that they feel really passionate about doing and the things that make them money, and then looking at where are the customers and patients and prescribers on the opposite end of that that want those services and then marrying those two things together. Because when you can do that, then definitely your patients will be interested in what's going on and very interested in, in what, what services you're offering. That's a, a really good point, and I wanted to point out, I think, another thing that um, I, I think plays into this, and that's, um, as you'd mentioned, social media marketing and using that uh, TriCard uh, tweeted to answer number two. A study reported that 53% of people search for health and brand info online. So social media is a great way to promote products and ideas. Now, if you don't layer that, I think it becomes empty. And I'll give you an example. Um, you, you have to have a brick-and-mortar um, base marketing um, strategy. And then on top of that infrastructure, you place social media. And then when you place those two together, it gives substance and it gives context and content. And then the next move is to act on that. So you have to do, and, and, and this goes way back, Scott, to my time uh, trying to sell uh, telecommunication services when I graduated college and started working for Sprint Business. And our sales coach at the time says you have to do everything in threes. And, boy, is that, that's true. You, you just pick three things. So, one, your marketing infrastructure probably already in place. It could probably be cleaned up or it could be um, changed. Um, there's an NCPA um, service with Gabe Trahan who talks about the reinvention of your front end and some of your uh, things that just need to be improved and cleaned up. Number two, social media. But then number three is engaging your customer based on this campaign that you put together. That could be a campaign about St. Patrick's Day. It could be a campaign about diabetes education. It could be a campaign about um, the services that you provide to communities through community um, um, service centers or um, a, a long-term care nursing home or um, education, uh, a wine and cheese event to a bunch of physicians that are coming in because you're doing a, a re-grand opening. Whatever it is, if you layer that in threes, um, it's going to be, I think, much more effective. Well, you know, and I'm reading through the feed here, and Kurt Proctor mentioned that he's done a search on pharmacies, and he's amazed at how many pharmacies don't have a website. <laughs> and that is a huge problem um, that exists. And it's amazing because actually I've found pharmacies that have a Facebook presence but still no website. Um, and your website, from a marketing standpoint, is one of the biggest tools that you should have not because it needs to be filled with all this great information about who you are and what you do and, you know, what awards you've won and what services you offer. I would actually argue that the three most important things on a pharmacy website from a marketing standpoint are your name with your logo so that people know they're at the right page, your address that hopefully will link to a Google map so that people can find you, um, and your phone number that's hopefully, again, hyperlinked so that on a smart device people can click it and it will take them to be able to make a phone call. Those are the three things that must be on a pharmacy website because chances are, let's just use a, a scenario here, Todd, you've got kids. Imagine if your wife's driving around, one of them gets sick, she needs to go to the pharmacy, she wants to know where they're located or if they're open because maybe it's late after a, a party or something. If she's got a futz around, with the independent that she can't find online or she can't click on the phone number to make a phone call or she can't 
open it up in Google Maps with a vomiting kid in the back seat, I guarantee you she's going to go to the chain because it's just easier. It's not about brand loyalty at that point. It's about, you know, a sick vomiting kid in the car and what's easiest. Right. And that is layering the uh, things that make an independent so strong, which is that customization, the um, the true involvement as a business owner in your community, but you can't stop there. We all have to keep evolving. We have to keep up with the tools and the usage of those tools um, that is moving forward, all based on so many of the rich things that you're already bringing to the table as a pharmacy owner. Um, I want to echo some of the answers to number three, and then I'm going to turn the question over to Mr. Scott Maitland, and that is, do you know your customers? What can you do to better understand them? And I want to, um, you know, John Davidson, I, I agree with you um, and in uh, his tweet, which is uh, exactly what I was saying. He can be found at, at Pharmacy Advisor. And John says, uh, customer surveys, conversations, customer retention manager, mystery shopping, benchmarking surveys are just a few ways. Um, and then PBA Health mentioned uh, some direct mail, which could, of course, um, be used to gather information through surveys. And um, I have to chime in and say make sure that you're giving a reward of some type in order to get that information back to you. And then Professional Pharmacy, which can be found on Twitter, um, at Professional um, Pro Farm Rx, P-R-O Farm Rx, they had mentioned uh, feedback is very important, reviews from things like Yelp and Facebook. Also, conducting an in-store survey would help. So. Look at, the, look at the marriage between social media and technology, but also the sincerity of reaching out and touching your, your, your customer when they come into your store and engaging them and, and getting them involved and helping you to become a better service provider. You have to combine both of those. You can't forget there's so many people that I know, Scott, bloggers, for example, and uh, sometimes even marketers who do so much behind the screen, even people that work for pharmacies, they'll do so much behind the computer screen and with regards to social media, and they're doing a great job. But you have to remember, you have to come back to the basics. And combining those is extremely powerful, especially, think about it, especially over the national chains. Because national chains can't react that fast. They have to have everything flow through the titanic of what is their you know, corporate brand and, and so on. Absolutely. I mean, the great thing about being an independent pharmacy is that we're able to be quick and nimble. Exactly. So uh, this brings us to question number four. How do you figure out who your target market is? And uh, that's a huge open-ended question, but definitely take a stab <laughs> at it, Scott. Okay, so Todd, you and I have talked about this before, and I think that there is some amazing opportunities out there to look at other brands and see what, what are they doing that is attracting a loyal following uh, with with their customers, because the reality of it is, is that you, me, everyone on this call, listening, everyone on Twitter, we're somebody's target market. Someone has done the the research to figure out wh who we are and and why they why we would be a good customer for their business. And I'm going to use the example of JetBlue. Um, I pretty much will fly JetBlue whenever I can, and I'll actually even pay a little bit more to fly JetBlue for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I can usually get a direct flight, and there's nothing more I hate than having to switch planes at an airport, especially a large one like O'Hare or DFW. Um, number two, there's no first class. So I feel special when I get on the plane. I'm not in that second half of the plane. I'm just in the plane. And then they also have free TV and, and music on the flight. 
and these are things that are important to me. So I feel like when I get on JetBlue, like they made this experience just for me. Um, now, on the flip side of that, you might think Southwest Airlines, well, they don't have first class either, so why isn't Scott like them? Well, I don't like them because they don't have assigned seats, and that just makes me muddy. Like, I want to know where my seat is. So I bring all this up because when it comes to target markets, it's not just about, you know, saying, okay, I want to work with women um, between the ages of 25 and 55. Um, that's my target market. That, that's huge, and it doesn't say anything. But getting super specific um, like Jeff Blue did and said, hey, we're looking for somebody that's five foot seven, has like an ego problem, so we should get rid of first class for him, um, likes to be catered, so let's give him TV and radio. And, um, oh, he also has an assigned seat because that's important to him. That's the target market that Jeff Blue goes after, which is why I fly them. So my point to all this is we need to start getting super, super, super specific about who your target market is. And in one of the things that you mentioned, pestle packing sales, we, one of the exercises in there is to identify who your ideal customer avatar is and really get in there. And, you know, you're going to have more than one target market, one, more than one ideal customer. But think about, like, who is the one customer in your store that you would want to replicate and duplicate over and over and over again? And once you understand that customer, and know what makes them tick and know that what makes them happy about coming to your pharmacy, then you can start finding other customers like him or her. And if there's anything you get out of this call today, that would be the one thing I'd want to make sure that you understood is to figure out who that ideal customer is and then go ahead and figure out ways to get more of them. We had feedback from uh, the Take Charge team. Uh, they can be followed on Twitter at TakeCharge underscore Rx. And they said to look to census.gov, which has great marketing research tools and data for our different postal demographics. So if you're looking to expand, looking to announce some new service, um, a class that you're going to be giving to the community, you want to dig deeper into your specialty um, market, um, you want to expand the education that you give to the community based on anything, nutraceuticals or diabetes shoes or diabetes education, whatever it is, uh, you know, use these resources to do demographic studies so you can prepare for this because um, there's work involved in expanding your business, obviously, and um, stepping outside the, um, the comfort zone, um, you know, takes some creativity, it takes some, um, you know, additional work. I, I know you can leverage some of the marketing services that are extended uh, from many providers um, like the NCPA, like Mr. Scott Maitland like ourselves here at Pharmacy Podcast and the Prescription Generator, um, like RX Wiki, for goodness sakes. Um, the RX Wiki team is, um, you know, placing a bunch of social media-rich content that's all verifiable by other pharmacists and uh, cohorts and associates. So um, take advantage of it. But, but I would say also, Scott, make sure you have a plan in place because, you know, you can go at this and be so overwhelmed. You get on social media. Uh, sometimes I am guilty of this. You'll... You'll start trying to answer some tweets and be sincere and um, rather than just have robots feeding things and you're, you're trying to engage. And, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you just spent two hours there. So um, you have to have a plan in place, and that is um, you know, a marketing plan that consists of drivers and next steps, next steps, next steps. And by having and doing that, you're going to save some money, and you're also going to get a lot more out of it because there's a plan in place. 
Absolutely, and I think you know you actually hit on something that's that's really important. Not just because there are all these different social channels out there doesn't mean you need to be signed up for every single one of them. Maybe your pharmacy doesn't belong on Pinterest. Maybe there isn't an audience for Twitter. Um, maybe Facebook doesn't make sense for you because you're just not getting any engagement. You need to look at where your people are connecting, and at the minimum, social is great, but I'll tell you, my number one hands down, everyone, in my opinion, should have some type of electronic newsletter. And here's why. At any time, um, Facebook or Twitter or whatever can cancel your account. I mean, it's rare that that happens, but they can do it because you don't own that page. They do. But you own your newsletter and you own your blog. So uh, one way, if you're feeling like, I just can't do social because it's too overwhelming, that's okay. But then look at how can you get in front of your, your audience. And an e-newsletter may be a really great way to do that. And talking about rewards, you know, you want to encourage your staff to invite everyone to sign up for the newsletter because you need permission to get people on an electronic newsletter. But then offer your employees rewards for making sure that they ask that question. And uh, for those of you that don't, don't know uh, my friend Lauren Ansa, she's I spoke with her recently at the, the educational conference, and she did a presentation which the title of it was just perfect, and it's marketing isn't a department, it's a culture. So this is something that needs to be really ingrained into not just the owner or if you have a marketer or whoever is doing your marketing, but every single employee, um, from everyone who answers the phone to everyone who fills a prescription to everyone who cleans the store, because these are all touch points with customers uh, to market your business. That's a, a great point and um, perfect lead-in to uh, question five, which is uh, what services could you add to improve the appeal of your pharmacy? And we had uh, some great feedback. Uh, Ms. Beth uh, Bolt, who's part of the RxWiki team, at Beth underscore RxWiki, um, she had mentioned by offering delivery to patients that can't drive, we enable some to remain self-sufficient longer and they don't need to rely on others. And um, how you're marketing the ability to deliver, I mean, you might go to a, almost any community independent pharmacy and see something on their wall or their window that says free delivery, but you need to market that aspect of service more so because it's, been, it's become so widely offered that sometimes we'll forget, um, you know, something as simple as that. And... Um, you know, TriCard, for example, at TriCard uh, said, don't just say you care about your customers. Show them a positive personal experience will result in free word-of-mouth marketing, which is so true. Uh, Dr. Uh, Carl Hess, which is at uh, Farmie2005, that's P-H-A-R-M-I-E-2005, he had a really good point, and that is, what if the pharmacy or pharmacist was at the center of the patient-centered medical home, and if, if you if you want to know the concept of uh, the center, um, the patient-centered medical home, look up that term, patient-centered medical home. Google it. But what he's saying is, if you if you want to be that, you have to market yourself at your 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 pharmacy business as that. So you have to let the community know. You have to let community centers know. You have to let your local representation know. Your local mayor. How many times have you visited them? or your local mayor's office within the last uh, three years, two years, one year? Um, is it part of your strategy? Is it part of your marketing strategy? Um, just basic things that keep you engaged with your community 
as the champion of health within your community, I think is a big difference. So, uh, Scott, what do you think? What services could you add to improve the appeal of, of your pharmacy? Well, I think before two things I have to say about that. Number one, um, I hope everyone will be coming to the NCPA trade show this year in October. It's going to be here in Austin. So, of course, I want everyone to come see where I live and, and enjoy all that Austin has to offer. But when you think about when you go to a trade show, there are all these people selling you stuff, and they get you so excited about, like, the newest thing. And there are some really funky things that I think are awesome, like the nose Frito, which is, if those of you who don't know it, it's a tube that you stick up a baby's nose, and then the mother, like, sucks the snot out of it. And I think it's hysterical and amazing, and, you know, it's definitely going to be a great product for for pharmacies that have a clientele that, that work with newborns and, and newlyweds and people starting family and family planning. But I think before you jump into anything and services that you look at, there's there's several questions that you need to ask yourself, and and I'm going to kind of run through them real quick. And number one is, what will you sell? You know, what is it that you're selling? What is it a consultation service? Is it, it you know, maybe you love BHRT, but you live in an area where the majority of your people are young and fit. Well, BHRT is not going to be super important to them. Um, so you've got to figure out what it is that you're going to sell, then who's going to buy it. Because if you have no one to buy it, then it's not a business, it's a hobby. The next step is how will your business idea help people? Because we're all tuned into WIIFM, what's in it for me. So when you do offer a new service, people need to understand how it benefits them rather than them thinking of, oh, this is just another way for me to part with my money. Um, then you've got to figure out what you're going to charge. And this can be really daunting, especially with something brand new or it's a service-based thing because you've got to figure out, what your time is, what your time's worth, and what people will actually spend. And it's okay to um, raise your price if necessary, but I will tell you that um, it's way better to uh, raise your price than lower your price. Um, then how will you get paid? You know, is this going to be a service that you're going to go ahead and try to bill for insurance, or is it a cash-based system? Um, you know, how, how is that going to work? How will the customers learn about this new offering that you have? Again, this goes back to marketing. Are you, do you have a newsletter set up specifically for this? Do you have a strong following on social? Uh, are, are there opportunities, like Todd mentioned, to go do speaking engagements uh, that, can, that you can go ahead and, and, and draw a crowd? And then how, and I think this is probably one of my favorite questions, is how are you going to encourage referrals? I think sometimes we forget. It's kind of like Todd said about, you know, we say we do free delivery, but we don't really talk about it. Well, we just assume that people are telling people about what a great experience they're having at our pharmacy, but are we asking them, actively asking them for referrals? If someone comes in gushing because you gave them a compounded medication that their cat took and they didn't get scratched or bitten, I can guarantee you that person is happy, and that is the best person to say, do you know any other cat owners that might benefit from this kind of service? Mm -hmm. Here's our card. Do you think you could give it to them? Could you give this to your vet? This is a great thing that we just we just don't do, and you've got to toot your own horn. And then finally, the one thing I want to add to all this is um, what are your metrics for success? And metrics don't always have to be money. I mean, it could be. It could be like I want to make $100,000 from this, this service, and that's fantastic. It could be that I want to get five people signed up for the initial program, and that's fine too. But you need to have something to, to – um, measure it so that you know that you were successful. And it's okay to change those goals, but at least have some. That's a great point. Uh, if you don't know what you're trying to achieve or what you want to achieve, um, and that's all part of a plan, then um, 
you're really not going to uh, be able to obtain it um, because you don't know what you're shooting at. You don't know what the target is. Um, today's um, RX chat um, is one of my most favorite subjects, and that is marketing and marketing of your business. Uh, Scott mentioned this, but I'm encouraging every pharmacy owner that's listening to this, every marketer in the pharmacy business that's listening to this, get outside of the pharmacy business. I mean, please, get outside of the pharmacy business. Go to another industry and measure five of them, ten of them. Go to restaurants you know, over a period of two months or three months or go to some car dealerships. Go to um, dentist's offices and see what they're doing to differentiate themselves Pull things from outside the uh, pharmacy market and, and start to use some of them and, and research that. Today's topic, which is pharmacy marketing and how to market your pharmacy business better, uh, and with Scott Maitland, we actually don't don't have the time to finish up the way that I wanted to. Our last uh, question is, what are some in innovative ways pharmacies can improve marketing? Um, when you go out to Twitter, um, go ahead and, and put in the hashtag, hashtag RxChat. You'll see today's chat. We're going to actually send the transcript back out uh, through Twitter as well. But reach out to Scott and ask questions. Uh, Scott, uh, let our listeners know how to even get a hold of you. Yeah, the best way to reach me is um, on Twitter uh, <laughs> at PMQuarterly, P-M-Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y. Uh, send me a message there, and I'll connect with you via email. Best way, probably. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, we thank um, our co-founders, RX Wiki. We thank Scott Maitland with PM Quarterly. If you don't read that marketing uh, marketing magazine, please definitely uh, get subscribed. Pharmacy Marketing Quarterly is the magazine. Um, Scott is also part of uh, Pestle Packing Sales. Uh, we thank you, RX Chatters, for uh, being part of this. And um, send us out to as many uh, pharmacy professionals as you know to, to build the word about our chat every week, Wednesdays at 12.30 Eastern Time. Um, that is hashtag RxChat, and we thank you so much for listening.